Here we go, it's another IGN UK podcast with me, Simon Cardi, and I am this week joined yet again by Matt Perslow. Hello. Hello, and Joe Scrabbles. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm not going to spend the whole show just copying whatever you guys say, because that would be very irritating for absolutely everyone. Um, Let's get straight into it. Today, the Batman is in cinemas. Again, a new Batman film. Another one. What do we think of the new Batman, guys? I, for one, absolutely love it. It is a pretty good Batman film. I think it's quite good. There we go. And that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) There we go. What an episode. Join us next week for more Batman. We will continue to talk about the Batman. What a fun little joke that was from me. Um, I love this film. I think me and Matt, maybe we're on very similar wavelengths with this film. We love this... minusculely cooled on it over time but i still think it's 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 exactly at least tonally what i want from a batman film Mm -hmm. that's that's fair i know joe you still enjoyed it but you are maybe slightly cooled on it than both of us yeah i just think uh, it's very difficult for me obviously we're not going to spoil this we'll get that out of the way no spoilers obviously um i personally felt the first two thirds were a lot lot better than the final third and i think mm-hmm. the way it goes did not satisfy me at all that's okay. that's my issue that's interesting so i i think i'm similar but i actually like the first third and the last third the middle third is what dragged for me a little bit and i feel like this is a film that maybe will draft people as it's well documented this is a three-hour film which is is a long time i i like long films so i'm into it i like slow long films i wouldn't say it's even a slow film because a lot happens in this film and that is maybe my one negative that i really when i instantly saw i was like oh they've tried to maybe make three films in one here whereas they should have taken one storyline out i'm not sure which one or even just streamlined it all a lot but anyway let's go on to the positives because i i do think it's an overwhelmingly good film which for one, it's the tone of Batman I've always wanted. I like, and I know people are kind of bored of the phrase like gritty, dark Batman, but this is very much on that end of the scale. And it's moody Batman. It's like like you were saying, Matt, it's very much a Batman where Bruce Wayne is the mask, not Batman. Yeah, which is, um, long-term listeners might remember, ages and ages ago I had like a little tirade about this where I was convinced that Batman is the character and Bruce Wayne is the mm. thing that he has to keep up for personal, like, public appearances. Um, I think the thing about it being gritty, though, the thing that I love so much about this and why it's tonally and visually exactly the Batman film I've been seeking for is it's still very comic booky. Like, Gotham is very mm-hmm. gothic and very stylized. It's not Christopher Nolan's version of a grounded Batman. It's very much akin to kind of like those late 80s kind of comics where you know the era of Watchmen and Batman Year One and stuff like that it pulls a lot from that kind of stuff so there's almost a bit of Joker to it like that depiction of Gotham where when there's a sequence where they're in a subway kind of train and it's just covered in graffiti Mm. and that subway train could have been taken from the Joker movie Um, but it's on the backdrop of a city where it's constantly raining it's everything's in shadow and the shadows are like pitch noir black which gives it's not a place you want to live i don't know why you choose to live there oh god (laughs) matt Matt reeves fucking loves seven 
Like, yeah, this yeah. is the most Seven film since Seven. It's I feel, wild. That is the, the obvious. The, when you watch the trailers, you can see, yeah, he likes David Fincher. And can you blame the, him? Because it's no. Seven and Zodiac. <laughs> the... The, the, but the length to which the homage goes to Seven in this is kind of wild. Like, there were bits where I was like, is this, a, is this like a joke that this is now a Seven film? Um, not in a bad way. Like, Seven's one of my favourite films. I'm super mm. into it. And this was great for that. Uh, what I will say is, what I, what I loved about this place they built, you're right, it's gritty, it's realistic, and it's grim. But that Times Square sort of place that they've made that a few events sort of, or, you know, a few shots take Mm. place around has this, like, odd, like, semi-urban gothic air. Like, there's something to it that feels beyond reality. Mm -hmm. It's got almost like a a Shibuya Station vibe at the same time as, like, a really fucked up Shibuya Station. This is going to be a weird Or Shibuya Crossing, I should say. It reminded Um, me, weirdly, of Liberty City from GTA 4. (laughs) Like, I don't know. There's a feeling like of that, and I don't know why. And I love that. I love that that sits at like the kind of the me- like the metaphorical center of this city, where everything outside of it is gross. But there's this mm. one bit in the middle that's got like this really. At one point, you could tell this was super wealthy, and it's gone totally to seed, and like that really worked for me. Like you've got a sense; it kind of communicates a history to that mm. city in in a really visual and way, which is it great. is kind of relentlessly dark and grim like i will say this now like this is whereas the dark knight kind of walked the line on kids being able to watch it this one is very like even the very open film like from mm. the get-go you know okay we're not joking around here like it is I, it is a 15 here right isn't it have we uh yes if yeah not, it should so. be um, um the yeah. thing i find interesting about it though is it balances quite deftly certainly in those opening stages like you're right the actual events and things that are mm. being depicted are truly unpleasant i would say the dark knight has a overall grimmer tone even though really well because you get ele- there's there's elements of humor all the way through this there are funny bits or there funny are, lines yeah. at the very least and there's also they're not afraid to lean into like batman having this kind of wild omniscient noir voiceover Mm-hmm. That that occasionally pops in, like the film opens with Batman, or you know, more or less opens with Batman doing an extended. He's doing the yellow boxes in the corner of a comic book panel, like yeah. he's talking over the images you're seeing. You're getting a view into his psyche. He's not talking to anyone really, like, and there is an element of like comic book camp that kind of creeps around the edges that I think. Absolutely. It lightens those corners just that little bit, and I think it really works. I think this is one of the things that I love so much about it, because the Christopher Nolan films, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from those. Those are incredible films, or certainly at least one and two, um, you know, three a little bit less. But um, they are designed to be what is the Batman mythos if brought into our reality, Mm. whereas this is just unashamedly... It's a comic book movie, in the same way that, like, Marvel is almost unashamedly comic book. But this finds the seeds of well, what is batman in like his grimmest kind of storylines it's like he's a really good detective that punches people really fucking hard <laughs> and it kind mm-hmm. of it runs with that and so keeps a lot of the trappings while still being you know very cinematically influenced yeah. you say by fincher and as carly you were saying like there are detective film 
homages oh, in absolutely. here that go way back to like the 70s exactly yeah, yeah, it's yeah, much yeah. more like chinatown or the french connection than i thought it would be which was a pleasant surprise because i was going in f- fully expecting the zodiac and seven stuff because from the trailers it looked like that but yeah, yeah i was pleasantly surprised that for a lot of it you do get kind of almost like a gordon and batman buddy cop kind of thing whereas i, I will say, say he's buddy. meant to be the work <laughs> not buddy but you know he's meant Colleague to be they're cop. meant to be great detectives and for, for the most part they're maybe not which is quite funny as well. There's some funny mm. moments surrounded by that. But yeah, I just, I love it. And we haven't even gone to the performance. I do think, I mean, it's still early days. I think Patterson might be my favourite Batman. This is how I've always seen Batman as kind of this moody, shrouded, sort of just very insular, lonely person. And I, I, he I like pulls his Batman a lot. I don't like his Bruce Wayne very much. I'd like some of those bits. I was like, I just don't. I didn't. I know they're going for a different kind of Bruce Wayne, but I didn't. I just didn't buy it in the same way that I would like. I think. I think a Bale version of that Bruce Wayne, without the Playboy stuff, I think possibly would have got me a little more. I don't know. There's something about I the sort of skulking, putting on sunglasses like, inside version of Matt Bruce Reeves Wayne. Matt Reeves has already spoken about a sequel. And yeah. maybe he'll be more like that in it. Maybe he'll, I don't know, who knows? I don't know what. I feel like, well, we're not going to go to any sort of spoilers. I feel like maybe he could be a different Batman in the next one if they were going to mm. do that. But Zoe Kravitz is incredible as Catwoman. I really like her great. character. And they build out that character much more than we've ever seen before. It's not just, you know, a weird lady who likes cats who robs banks. Like, well, there's much with more re- of her. With Got- regard to those older film references, like, she is given the space to be like more than a love interest, more than a villain. Exactly. Like she has like light and shade, and it really feels like this is a. I genuinely do not mean to say dynamic duo just because it's Batman, <laughs> but there is like a dynamic between well, those. It's two as much her story as it is. It. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's like that. Like yeah, and. Like you can't, we can't ignore Paul Dano. Who I like, he's one of my favorite actors he's anyway. But he's full on just like there's points in this film where I was just you know flashbacks to him screaming and there'll be blood, and I was enjoying I myself was say, greatly. If you, <laughs> if you were hoping for Paul Dano to do that weird thing where he goes, <laughs> like there's a lot of that. Don't worry about it. It's great. I love him. I he just, he oh, is a very sinister man. <laughs> I was saying this to someone else the other day. Paul Dano's version of aging appears to be just that his face gets wider and not in like a it's chubby way. Weird, it's isn't like it? someone's pulling a character creator slider <laughs> over well, time. I always think he looks a little bit like Morph with hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, He's got a Morph look. The first reveal of Dano's like actual face in this, I was like, that's, that's like twice as much face as there used to be on that head. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> I think that, and so that's so cool. <laughs> this is a great film in its own right, but yeah, it does such a great job, like we said, of reminding you of Seven, of Zodiac, of all these great films, Chinatown, and also because you've got Dano being a weird like um, recluse, like prisoners as well, like mm. him in that. Like, I was, You're just constantly reminded of all these great films, and then that's kind of thinking, like, yeah, if you add all those together, you're going to get a pretty great film. And yeah, I just... Yeah, I... I do want to see it again, although it is very long. I I am not watching sound. this again until I'm at home really? watching it. I but can't the, watch this in the cinema the, again. The, that's the thing. It's the kind of thing where I do want to watch again the cinema because the sound and the music is so yeah. good that I kind of want I, it full blast. Also, the music's really weird because there's only about four tracks in the entire film. Like yeah. It just uses them, but it, that sparing use really 
hammers home like the the meaning of each of those tracks like when you hear it you kind of get the vibe mm-hmm. um yeah like i also i'm not saying that like you should if you're if you're interested in this film even if you're not totally sure whether you'll like it i think it is worth watching in the cinema the first time for that reason like the sound is so good we saw it i saw it in an imax and like some of the the design is like proper you can feel it in the pit of your stomach your chair is literally shaking like mm-hmm. not in a there's noisy things happening oh, it's like, just like the first dark. time you see the batmobile in this film i was like oh, oh yes yeah. here we go <laughs> can can i say what it's not a i don't think it's a spoiler to say no, that the batman is the, the batmobile is revealed in an interesting way like oh yeah the first time i saw it the thing it reminded me of is the furnace in Home Alone. You know <laughs> oh, really? when you know when he goes downstairs and like has that vision of the furnace like coming to life. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it does. That's what I thought. To me, I thought it was like a, yeah, it was like an animal, it's like a dragon yeah. or something. Yeah. It was amazing. Is it? Yeah, that's so, a great that moment. Was so wild. But the thing that's really interesting about the way they use the Batmobile is is a lot of like traditionally in Batman, you you'd film that on massive cranes and you do very wide angle kind of shots to show kind of like a tank basically kind of thundering through Gotham. So so much of this is done like in the cockpit with Batman. It's very, very... weird. Yeah, it's so kind of like focused on the people rather than... It's like Batman using a tool rather than, wow, look at this incredible piece of machinery that he's made. I do have to say, like, I I was losing track in that car chase. Like, it didn't have the... It didn't have the sort of like i don't know how you'd say it like the traditional like sort of candy coated action yeah. pleasure that you would get out of a car chase and i know that's what it wants to be doing and that's fine but i think i didn't i didn't get as much and this kind of comes to a lot of the action in, in the film i think when it gets into big set pieces those are the points where i kind of i started drifting a little the char- bit it's definitely best when it's character led i think and also we haven't mentioned colin farrell's penguin is fantastic as well he, he's I'm completely so- unrecognizable it's amazing i'm so glad he's coming back like <laughs> yeah. that, that that character gets more is very mm-hmm. pleasing because yeah. he is having a fucking ball doing that it's really fun yeah i um, i just i very much enjoy this film like matt reeves is so like i don't think he's going to go under the radar any longer but like his last, the he directed the second and third Planet of the Apes yeah. films recently, and they are brilliant. And not enough, I always say, it's not enough people have watched these. Maybe They're everyone's crazy, watched yeah. these now, and I'm just shouting at nobody. But uh, watch those if you can. I think the third one just arrived on Disney Plus. But you know, watch them all. But yeah, he's he's been good for a while, and now hopefully he gets to continue doing this sort of stuff because mm. he's very good. Yeah. Any more thoughts on the Batman? I I like. I know I started this by being a little more down. Like, I literally can't say without spoiling what it is that doesn't work for mm-hmm. me. But I will say, like, the last third, I think, just, to, like, as, we, as we've as we said, kind of drifts into a different type of movie. And at that point... It, becomes, it the, becomes more of a Batman film, I think, is what we're, we're kind of... Well, it becomes me, more of an, a, a, a classic superhero film. Mm. And, and I think when you've had so much of that, like, character-driven, quiet interesting thoughtful stuff mm-hmm. it just didn't gel like or at least it didn't gel for me and i totally get why i, I didn't know you know all power to the to everyone who enjoyed that but for me it was just the point at which i was like ah, either i would have liked this to finish or i would have liked more of the stuff i liked like that stuff didn't hit home yeah, that's, so, that's what i mean i really i actually really like the conclusion i know cardi you said that you were you were big into the last act as well yeah. um and part of that is there's 
again this is something i can't talk about but there is a particular kind of sequence that happens in the end which i think reveals such an interesting thing about this version of batman that i've been waiting to see in films for a long time that i don't think they've ever hit on and i think that works alongside getting to see batman hit people which i do like um the reason why i like as i say when i say i've cooled on it it hasn't come down to i think it's one of my favorite batman sort of projects i've ever seen but i do think that the riddler's not like quite as like the riddles that he leaves aren't quite as twisty as i would have liked them to be they're not really riddles are they? they're more just like in your face clues (laughs) i think that's the problem is he's a he's a serial killer like Mm -hmm. he's a he's a mission driven serial killer Mm -hmm who has taken on like a persona and i think tying him to what we expect of the riddler is a problem because you know it causes a problem in as much as you expect one thing from that character and you don't really get it in the same way as like we said batman and gordon maybe aren't as smart as we'd expect them and that's actually quite fun in this film Mm -hmm. the riddler isn't as smart as you'd expect him and that's maybe a little disappointing if you go in with that Mm -hmm. with that vibe i don't know well yeah obviously we can't we're going to get into spoiler territory, which I don't want to do. I'm sure no. we'll talk about this film in spoiler terms at some point, potentially, yeah. because there's a lot to talk about. Maybe next week or the week after we'll do a little spoiler section at the end or something. Well, but, hopefully um, at some point we can do a podcast interview with Matty Old Reeves. I would love to talk to Matt Reeves. Because uh, there's so much to talk about. But yeah, let us know what you thought of the Batman in non-spoiler terms, though, because uh, our inbox is read by many people and not everyone's seen it yet. So if you could refrain from putting big spoilers in into feedback just yet or at least subject line it with batman spoilers yeah so, i think so that's the poor way to do dale it. who hasn't seen it yet doesn't open it and go oh no uh i don't know the whole world explodes <laughs> that, that could happen steppenwolf turns up no, it's not big, steppenwolf again it's a big justice league crossover <laughs> um there we go so yeah just be kind uh what have you got next should we talk about elden ring some more because i think last we week Matt, you were the only person who had played any Elden Ring, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, me and Joe are hot on your heels. We've played a lot don't, of Elden don't Ring. Don't worry, the experts are here. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, it's me, world-renowned Souls fan, um, mm. who has now stumbled into... I, I'm just... I'm obsessed with this game. That's the only way to put it. Like, It's been... Something's. I know. I was going to say I don't know why it's clicking. I do know why it's clicking. There's lots of different reasons why it's clicking with me. But um, it's been a long time since I've had this feeling of waking up and going, "Oh, I'd like to play this game. I wish I didn't mm. have to work." <laughs> like I just want to. And I just like last night I put it on. I was like, oh, I'm just going to play for 20 minutes and try this boss once or something. Now I ended up playing for like four and a half hours. <laughs> I was just like, I just mm. couldn't stop. Like it's. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. It's it's what we've been saying since well before release, but mm. it really is the freedom of it that is getting me through. Like, yeah. where in the old games I would get to a point and just be like, fuck's sake, like, I just, I hate doing this. I'm dreading turning this on again as much as I want to play this game some more. I yeah. just don't want to fight this guy. Mm-hmm. And in this... I'm zapping about so much. I'm like 10 hours in. I haven't done Godric, the first main rune guy. I'm like level 30. And you're just like... And that is testament to... It just kind of opens up and lets me fuck around, go places, explore stuff, and benefit from it. Like, Yeah. And I think that's 
releasing of the grind from the bits just before a boss and Absolutely. going like you can go grind anywhere and you will actually probably be making more progress by doing so is like a total release from the frustration I feel with this stuff and I'm still having moments of like fuck I hate this guy and I'm not coming back but the fact that I have so much more to do means that I'm just like exactly. totally I'm totally at ease with that feeling yeah, um, it's, which is great it's, it's the checkpointing that's the biggest thing for me I think is the fact that a lot of when you before a boss or a tough enemy there is just a sigh of grace right before it I don't have to do a five minute like fight through some enemies to get there and lose half of my health and not have healing yeah. by the time I even get to the boss that is the biggest thing for me is that you can just basically walk into boss rooms for the most part I'm currently I play about 19-20 hours I've done the second like legacy dungeon boss so I'm just a slightly ahead of that and yeah I'm just I've benefited so much from just leveling up. I spent so much time just like finding good areas to farm runes and just leveling up. I've now got a really good sword that Matt Perzo kindly uh, ushered me towards um, from an NPC, and I've I've leveled that up to plus fourteen, so it's doing ma- it's doing mad damage right now. Mate, like, I've only got plus two on anything. <laughs> <laughs> like I've to be fair, it starts at plus eight when you get it, so I've only leveled oh, up okay. six times, but still like. It's doing a ridiculous amount of damage, and it's a rapier, so it can do like five hits, like per like five. So like a hit a second, I'm just absolutely needling them to death. Um, but yeah, I'm just, and I think that's the fact that I haven't hit that one boss yet. Like no boss has taken me more than a few goes, which sounds like I'm bragging, but I've just been leveling up. I've basically been overpowered a lot of the game, which is the way I want to play these games. I want to feel yeah. like I can do. I don't want it to be a struggle. And that's overpowered what's... is a term used by idiots who don't want you to play like you want to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I'm getting the I'm getting the dragon's dogma vibes from magic that I wanted. So see, I haven't done mag- well. magical. I've gone full dex build, and I've just got like that's why this weapon is so good at the moment. I'm see, this is what I haven't, I haven't really spoken to you, and I think one of the most interesting things about having other people playing it now is i want to know what your builds are so so cardi i actually played you know a couple of bosses with you last night so mm. but if you want to explain to the audience I, I've, well i'm i'm found currently like level 53 level 54 or something early 50s and yeah I've, I've pumped almost everything into dexterity figure and a bit of strength so and endurance so i've got tons of endurance so i can roll around constantly but uh yeah my my level my weapon like it, uh, the damage levels against dexterity and I've got that to A so whatever I pump into de- dexterity this sword does massive it's currently like doing 260 a hit which is Jesus. quite good um, yes. I'm, I'm having a lovely time with that but yeah it's just I just can't stop playing it I don't know I don't know what it is and I feel like soon I feel like we had this chat Matt like soon I'll burn out a little bit and I'll get maybe halfway through two thirds through the game and I'll be like right I'm gonna play something else for a bit and maybe come I don't see this as a game I'm gonna play for the next month solid and finish necessarily I might come back later in the year and finish it but Mm. who knows at the moment I can't stop playing it though Joe, it's funny I'm build oh yeah no so I'm I'm magic based I started way more pure magic so i was like uh basically just mind and intelligence so basically i can scale uh i can do powerful glintstone and what are they called like gravity spells Hmm. and i have lots of mp and i've got a third mp flask so i can or fp or whatever the fuck they call it in this one um so i've basically got 
like a steady supply of spells um but i read that increasing dexterity speeds up casting mm-hmm. so i've so that's been my latest like push so i'm like i think i'm like 20 mind 15 dexterity and 23 intelligence at the moment so like pretty pretty built for that and now i'm kind of getting to that point where it's i've equipped a rapier as well and i'm kind of at that point where i'm like do i start trying to dual wield but i still feel way safer with a shield and one yeah. weapon that kind mm-hmm. of thing the good thing is right after you've defeated godric which i know is what you're you're currently your task is yeah. you'll be able to get that rapier so oh nice yeah, cool. there's there's a lot of so i'm i guess what you call like a battle mage um so mm. i kind of switch between i've got a staff and i've got quite a lot of glintstone magic now which i kind of focus on um but able to do things like i can now use the staff as a sword like a giant beam of light comes out the end of it and i can use it like a blade which is very very cool and i can like is, turn it into a bow and arrow and stuff like is that is that a specific spell or yes. is that a yeah right, so there's cool. there's glint, there's a carrion slicer which is you use it more like a long sword then you've got ones where you can use it like a rapier it's right it's really kind of like you you can kind of create whatever sort of sword fighter you want with the right spells but then obviously with the flick of a button you can then turn it into a magic missile with like glintstone pebble yeah. or something like that because i know you've got you can get uh also anyone who's not playing elden ring sorry um <laughs> i know you can get um carrion slicer as an ashes of war mm-hmm. which for those who don't know is something you can like attach to a weapon to change its stats and offer a different ability so is that a separate thing is that like giving that spell to a sword i essentially is a war to yeah. yeah so so for example kind of like um cardi i know that you've got glintstone phalanx is one of the things that Ooh, one of your yeah, ashes of war can do which is you essentially cast this on your sword using the ash of war and it puts four glintstone daggers oh, above yeah, your head yeah. that you can get that as a spell but actually the spell costs much more to use in fp than it does using the ash of war oh. and so it's kind of finding all of these different little synergies like a huge reason why i'm like a dex intelligence build is because they blend really nicely together yeah but also with something like a rapier, you can use um, the glintstone daggers off your Ash of War to stagger people and then get really, really good like critical hits in with things like rapiers mm. and stuff like that. And you get to create like nice little cycles where you lock enemies into patterns that they can't mm-hmm. escape from. Are you doing it as staff in one hand, weapon in the other? No, no. So uh, I switch between a rapier and a staff on the one cool. hand right. and, so that's and kind of shield what to the other. Yeah. So- I've got a big turtle shield those... and a like a ninja turtle. That's very good. I should, I should definitely be asking this off the podcast. But <laughs> in terms of those Ashes of War abilities, yeah. when you've got the shield in one hand, mm-hmm. isn't the Ashes of War ability tied to your left hand thing? So, uh, you... so if you've got an Ash of War on your shield, this is good advice for anybody that's playing that doesn't realise <laughs> this. Uh, what you want is, I don't like to have an Ash of War on my shield yeah. because that means that using L2 means that it's, it's going to use like the shield whatever, yeah. yeah so what you can do is if you head out and find there's a shack in limgrave quite near the um stormvale castle is that the Warmaster guy the, yeah there's a guy there who will sell you no skill as right, a right, ash right. of war apply that to your shield so that doesn't have a skill anymore and then when you press then l2 transfers the other one yeah you're then default to using the, the your main hand that Let's is a very useful that. tip it is it's very good and i like just from this conversation you can tell there's lots of different ways to play this game there is no one way to play this game like i'm just i'm just yeah i don't know what hasn't been said about this game that well i'll tell you what i haven't seen many people talking about and that i love is like the messaging thing has always been in souls games but i think in this game more than ever it's like 
completely blossomed into something like this is the purest expression of what that messaging thing can do because it's not just like people saying fingers butthole um and like telling you to jump off ledges and stuff like i've found so many useful things that aren't just enemy to the left like people adding gestures like i found a golden seed which is an upgrade material Mm. by someone just leaving one in the middle of nowhere and i was like why the fuck is this here so i read it and it was them going look up and it was a gesture of the person pointing directly to where i could go to to find something and like again like this being this freer open world those messages have so much more importance in directing you to secrets than they ever Mm -hmm. did before you could see one across like a chasm and go like well, there's got to be a reason someone's left that. And it might be a troll, but it might yeah. also be like, those, I found something and I want to direct you to it. Those definitely make up for all the ones where people just leave them directly on top of levers so you can't pull the levers for about that until you find annoying. the exact right angle. <laughs> so there um, are people like that too. But yeah, I just I think I like how... And don't get on, there are areas this game where it's very oppressive and you feel like you're in the middle of hell. But um, there are just pockets where there are just weird creatures and people to speak to and it doesn't i like games where not everyone in that world is out to kill you and like mm. 85 nine more like 90 percent of things in this world are out to kill you but i think even something as small as just seeing like wildlife that aren't trying to kill you, like deers are on past you the never get that in blood like bloodborne or dark souls you're not getting just like deers like like it just makes me feel a bit more like at ease like i'm not in hell basically i like finding those really sad ghosts around the place as well yeah. like there's one who sits next to this swamp and he's just like i just want to see a sword fight once more <laughs> and you're yeah. like what's his game why is he so why is he so sad about not seeing just, sword fights i love all the creatures like a lot of the character design the boss design is obviously incredible i will say the overall story i couldn't I don't really care. I'm not going to lie. I, I I don't really know. And I know this point of these games, you don't really know what's going on a lot of the time. We're not going to know for much you're on what a the task. story of this game is. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of fingers. I know that much. A lot of fingers mm-hmm. around. They love uh, extra arms. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, man. Yeah. When... Is it a spoiler? No, I'm not going to say what a second... Like, if you haven't played Godric, I'm not going to give it away. But the yeah. second phase of what Godric does, mm-hmm. oh, like, mad. just that cutscene, I was like, that's fucking insane. <laughs> what the hell is going on? These people are mad. It's it's so good. Yeah, It really makes clear that uh, Miyazaki quote where he said, like, George R. R. Martin wrote us quite a kind of, like, interesting stately backstory and history, and he might be shocked what I've done with his characters. <laughs> and I saw that scene, I was like, right, I get why he might be shocked. Because he definitely wrote this as a normal king man who went a bit <laughs> evil. <laughs> now he's this fucking freak. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just Elden Ring, it's good, isn't it? And I know it won't be for everyone. And do you know what? I was fully prepared that it wouldn't be for me, but it's this is the one and I but don't. They, people say, "Oh, maybe you'll go back and enjoy the others." I don't think I will because there are things no. very specifically about Elden Ring that work for me that don't this work is, that I know don't work for others. And and this yeah. is the problem. Like, obviously, we are very lucky. Uh, we got our copies for free, and we have the opportunity to bounce off it. Like, it is hard to go. This game might fucking destroy mm. you, and you're going to have to pay seventy pounds for. Although, actually, it's it's gone pretty cheap in the UK occasionally, but you know. I can at least say confidently, I am not a Souls person, and I am loving this game. And that's, yep. I think, I think that's an important distinction for a lot of people. I would want to hear that. Yeah. Um, but obviously, your mileage may vary. It, exactly. It could you could go into this and just be like, after an hour, 
fuck you. I hate this so much. <laughs> I've seen, I've still seen, yeah, plenty of people who don't like Souls games still saying, yep, still not for me. So yeah, yeah. this is not quite the Breath of the Wild uh, experience that some people may lead you to believe it is. But, but it is go. kind of Dragon's Dogma too, so enjoy yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, now I'm saying completely different. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 is also out today, so you can go see the Batman and then come home and drive a Toyota Yaris. If you, um, <laughs> you keep bringing every time you reference this game, you bring up the Yaris. It's, it's so this this car that's I think it's Gran Turismo. I think it's four. I always just bought like the Yaris was my first car because I it was cheap and you could um, give it like an, you could boost it basically quite cheaply. I'd always start with the Yaris and I can't for some reason which one. The, like, the only Gran Turismo I ever properly played was the one where you could get a PT Cruiser straight away, and it just seemed like an absolute joke. <laughs> so, and well, we're moving on to why I love Gran Turismo so much is that I don't. Know, Gran Turismo Seven feels like it made me feel like thirteen again. Like I played Gran Turismo Three and Four to death, and I'm not a cars person at all. I don't drive. I don't. I've never owned a car. I'm not into car culture, but like I just loved something about three. They're just relaxing games, and they're quite simple like even with seven you're getting like i think you can mistake it for being quite sterile and quite basic all the menu stuff but i find it quite calming and relaxing especially when coming from something like from elden ring which is so like obtuse to come to something like granted which is like here's a menu do you want to go to the car shop or do you want to race and i'm like yes i want to do either of those things um thank you for not being cryptic and yeah it's just making me it's like like coming home as michael kane would say in uh the prestige although He's a liar. Um, I just... Yeah. Have you ever played much Gran Turismo, Matt? Um, literally, you just mentioning GT3. I remember being in Guernsey, going to a Ooh. shop and buying... Can you remember GT3 Prologue? They did a separate yeah. mini-game before GT3 came out. And I can remember buying that. So I would have bought that, and then I would have bought GT3. At the time, that would have been when I was in high school, around year 10... Um, and my group of friends were very into cars so Mm -hmm. i was kind of caught up with that i must say like i've never been very good at them and even at that age when kind of like you become a bit more obsessed around things um so my understanding of gt sort of starts and ends there it's i i used to i don't know how much i used to try and 100 percent it i never did that because Back in like those days, I I haven't got far enough in seven to know if they haven't, but they had like the full like twelve hour races which yeah. you had to do mm-hmm. in real time, or if your car was good enough, you could sim it. But at most, I think three times speed, so it still last four you could, hours. You could do was it B spec where B, it's like yeah. you're the manager rather than the actual pi- driver of the car. Yeah. yeah, but that race would still last like four hours, which mm-hmm. was a long time for for a kid to just watch their screen. But um, yeah, the reason. I love GT7 so much is because it feels so much like 3 and 4 to me and it's got that like I think it's unfair the comparison people are going to make it's like oh it's not Forza Horizon well it's not it's a completely different type of car game like and don't get me wrong Forza Horizon 5 is a better game I think but that's like pure mad open world fun whereas Gran Turismo is very much track racing rally racing and it's all about the progression but that's one thing I do like that Forza Horizon, I think, Matt 5, like, I think is a phenomenal game, but fumbled the ball badly on, is that Forza Horizon 5, you pretty much can straight away get a car that takes you through the whole game. Like, there's no sense of progression in that game, I don't feel. Like, you're just opening up new races and you finish them with the same car you started with. 
I felt no real desire to complete my car collection or get new cars. Whereas Gran Turismo 7 is like, you, the progression, like you start with like, I think my car, first car was like a Renault Clio or something. Not a particularly exciting car. car. Well, there you go. And like you just... You're role-playing. You, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, li- I'm role-playing as Matt Perslow in Gran Turismo. Perslow Simulator. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it a black Toyota Clio? Oh. Sorry, Toyota Clio, Renault Clio, 16 valve, dynamic <laughs> interior... <laughs> Oh, I, do you know what? Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone knows French. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, that's why I love it. it's the progression. I've already got like, and now I've got like a Mini Cooper. You start with these basic cars, and it makes you appreciate when you eventually have enough money to get like a McLaren. Mm-hmm. Like there is that sense of progression. I will which point I really out, Cardi. Enjoy. Mini Cooper was my second car. Well, there we go. There we go. I'm living the life. Um, you're gonna have a McLaren too. <laughs> I'm um, just imagining you in big sunglasses in Saint-Tropez just being like, <laughs> Puzzle life! Here we go! But yeah, I feel like if you... like, It's it's not going to be... If you've not played Gran Turismo and you've never been into Gran Turismo, I don't think this is the one where you're going to be like, this is my Gran Turismo. It's very much Gran Turismo 3 and 4 brought back to life and done very well. I think like it looks incredible. I'm sure you may have seen some of the photo mode images going around. It looks it's, it's stupid. wild. Nice. The, yeah. the weird thing is, the footage I've seen of the game, I think, looks worse than Forza. Yes, but the definitely. photo modes look so, so yeah. good that it doesn't make sense to me how that works. Yeah, it looks better in photo mode than it does in game, definitely. And not that it looks bad in game at all, but yeah, it doesn't mm. quite look like Forza. But yeah, it just, and it handles really well. I'm told, like, I don't know cars that well. It feels like they drive well to me. If you want an expert, read and watch Luke Riley's review on IGN because he knows everything about cars and cars games. He's so, unbelievable. You know. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm having a lovely time with it. I will say, not quite the soundtrack of old, like Grand Central 3 and 4, you had, all, you had your feeder and your ash and your stuff like that, which got stuck in your head. These days you're getting like weird disco remixes of Mozart and Bach. It's very <laughs> odd. Um, I think there is a Bring Your Horizon song on there, actually, which is weird. But um, there we go. There's... It's enjoyable if you if you're missing because I feel like the last couple of Grand Turismo didn't really quite hit the mark, especially like GT Sport wasn't it? I think the last one was it was that last one was the one before I think I don't so know. Um, it was yeah I think it's a return to form so yeah if you're looking if you're looking to reminisce I'd, I'd recommend a bit of Grand Turismo Seven because it's it's just a bit of nice fun there you go a bit of fun Joe you've been playing yes. one of your indie games. Oh yeah, I just love uh, I just love the alternative as well as the mainstream. I'm a very broad palette of a man. Um, I've been playing Far Changing Tides. Um, did either of you play Far Lone Sales? Yes, I did, and it is lovely. Yes. Well then, Matt, you'll be pleased to know that Far Changing Tides is almost exactly the same. Yay! Uh, and personally, for me, that works. Um, I think uh, I had a long chat with Tom Marks, our reviewer for this, and we both loved Farlow and Sales. He was the person who pushed me over the, ed- the edge to play it because I'd been meaning to for ages and he was just like, you will fucking love this game. Go and play it. And I played it and I was like, I wanted to put it in my games of the year last year, even though it came out way before. Um, but uh, like, I think Tom had more problems. He likes the base element of Changing Tides, but I think he had more problems with the small changes they have made. Mm-hmm. And and I think the interesting thing there is just... And I th- also, I think all his criticisms are totally valid. I just don't think that... They just kind of wash past me. Okay. Because the core vibe of Changing Tides is the same deal as Lone Sales, which is a game in which you are given a big, weird vehicle 
and you are a tiny person and you have to pilot it by pushing a series of buttons and you can't possibly get to all those buttons at the, at the same time to push everything. You're like okay. running around a cross section of this vehicle going like... I've never played them. Like the way it always yeah. looked to me, it was like almost like a very chilled out FTL. Is that kind uh, of right? Kind of, yeah. It's got a, It's the same sort of like micromanagement that is impossible to do like vibe like you've got to get from here to here to push this to make this work and something's going to go wrong in the meantime but you're right it is chilled like the challenge levels are very low and it's more about really it's kind of this meditative feel of like learning your way around and getting to grips with how this vehicle is going to work and knowing when the right thing to do is like there's not there's an element of survival to it in as much as uh, sometimes you need engines to move. Like, ideally, you want to be in the wind with your masts up, which is the same in both games, and that just pushes you along for free. But you also have these engines that you can ch- pick stuff up from the world, come in, put it in a burner, and essentially like turn it into fuel that pushes you along. And so there's an element of, like, do I conserve this? Do I need to go out and get this? Like that kind of thing but you're never really put in a position where it's impossible to proceed or you have to do like big scavenging missions to do it and so really what it's doing is just asking you to sort of be in harmony with this vehicle you have which is effectively a set of systems that you need to work out how to do things this all makes it sound very dry because what it actually what it actually is is basically a beautiful cinematic platformer about getting from one place to a possible salvation in a world that is ruined so in the first game it's like this dry like something cataclysmic has happened to the climate and it's dried out the world in this one something cataclysmic has happened and it has flooded the world and you it's water uh, world it's the a, game <laughs> yeah you get a big weird ship and over the course of the game, that ship gets augmented and added to, and you just have to deal with various challenges along the way. I'm not going to give those away, because there are set pieces in there that are genuinely more cinematic than the first game. Um, barring maybe one bit from Lone Sails, where you essentially pilot a gigantic city-sized mech. But, you know. Um, oh, I know why Matt likes it, then. Uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of a walker. Um, and then, like, a big, giant, weird steampunk at-at. Um, but then... Yeah, this one, the ship is bigger, so there's more stuff to run around inside and do. And the world around you is bigger. You can be on the surface of the sea, and later on you can submerge and use it as a submarine. And that in itself has loads of cinematic stuff. Like, you will find places that you could miss, but, like, you might find a beautiful whale or a school (laughs) of jellyfish. And, like, really it's about just getting this thing chugging along and using it to look around you and it's fucking gorgeous like the music's beautiful like and it's super it's not afraid to have these moments where it's like five minutes of just doing that one thing and moving through a pretty place and not giving you much more to do than look around and like feel good that you've managed to get this thing working as well as it possibly can to the point where i was playing at like midnight the other night and I got to one of those points and I just fell asleep. I was just like, and not in a bad way, not in a bored way. It was just so relaxed. Like, I was like, I've done everything I need to do. I'm in this beautiful place. I had headphones on. So I'm getting the sound of the sea and like seabirds and stuff. I just fell asleep. I was like, this is beautiful. Wow. Like, I never fall asleep this easily. Um, Sounds like a lovely accompaniment to Elden Ring. It's a lovely yeah, well, and Man, it, I wish I'd kept it for while I was playing Elden Ring because it would have been much more chill. But it's like a five hour game. 
it's got... A, the, the other thing that I love about both of these games, and, and like a, what I will say is, don't think of this as a sequel. It's a companion piece. Like, those two games, you, you could play one before the other. I would say play them in the order they came out, but really it doesn't matter. Mm. And they really complement each other in a really lovely way. Um, but it's like five hours and just wordlessly told there's no story there's no story given to you in words but it's all told through the places you're going through and it's just like heartbreaking and hopeful and re- like it does so much without saying any words it's it's really really special as far as i'm concerned like i love these games and i think this i think oh, the fact that it does that through like a tiny little bit of game design surrounded by lots of narrative design is really special I can't wait to see what this studio, Okomotive, do, because they've only made these two games. And part of me wants more far, because it's cool. But part of me wants to see what they do with something else and, like, put those, like, design chops to more use. I'm I'm fascinated by them. I think they're really, really cool. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk to them on the podcast, actually. Maybe I'll reach out. Do you still get the thing that I really like about the first one is is you, you kind of start as you're learning... It reminds me a little bit of Firefly in the idea of like just anything to keep this shit moving. Mm. And it's just kind of like every time you go past, oh, there's a book. I'm going to go out and pick the book up because I can burn the book and it will get me like one mile further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then gradually as you, you learn it, you kind of get a sense of pride in like your ability and the machine. It's like you're going, yeah. girl, like you're getting there and you learn kind of like, okay, we're coming up to a up to like a, a like a ramp, so I'm gonna hit that steam button just as I need the extra boost, and mm. then knowing to stop kind of the engines and you just purring as you come down. Exactly, and that sense of pride that like you've learnt the engineering, and the ship is holding together and nothing's falling apart. Well, and this one this one has that it's got the engine and the masts, but then because you've got the submerging and there's an extra system that's given to you later on you got this like learning piece by piece and then adding new things in and making you learn those and you get this like that feeling of pride building more and more over the course of the game but and equally to your point about the like I'll get anything and chuck it in the fire like it does that nice thing again like loan sales where you'll occasionally find something you know you won't find anywhere else so like in this one I found like a little music box mm-hmm. and I was like I am not throwing this in and I like there's no benefit to it but I hung it up in my like sleeping quarters bit of the ship and just left it there there's a plant at the start of the game and I made a point of like I'm carrying this all the way through I'm never burning this plant and it gives you those little moments of tiny story choice that don't Mm -hmm. matter but feel like they matter and actually I really I think it was um Guy Woodward from the two good boys podcast he put up a tweet the other day just being like there's a bit in Far Lone Sales where he picked up a radio and it was the only bit of like connection to the world around him and he kept it and let it play. But eventually, you, but eventually you move out of range of the transistor stops, tower yeah. mm-hmm. and he just goes, I just chucked it in the fire. It had to become fuel because <laughs> it no longer gave me you know, that connection. And you're like, that doesn't need to be there. There's no design involved in, in like there's no game design there it's just pure storytelling for yourself um and i love it like it does so many bits of that it's it's just su- it's such a lovely couple of games um i would urge you yeah. to play them if that sounds at all interesting it sounds nice and chilled out. i might are they on switch both of them or either of them? Uh, lone sales is i don't think changing tides is yet but changing um, tides is on game pass it is on game pass oh well there we go um but i i really 
I know I said you could play them in either order. I really would play Lone Sales first if you can, just because I think it's that's almost a tutorial for where changing type. You give okay. that, you get that sense of like how they've expanded it. They will work in the opposite direction, but I think Lone Sales will feel smaller by comparison for playing Changing Tides first. I'm also um, fairly sure it's on offer on Steam at the moment, so if you do want to mm. play it on PC. There we go. Fantastic. So I will... I think I will check those out. Sounds nice and relaxing. I could do it sound nice and chilled out. Because you yeah. know what's coming next? Maybe the most stressful game experience in the world. Oh my god. Endless search. Inside is a UK IGN crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? It's back. I have returned with the Hideo Kojima tweet game. <laughs> yes. It's I think we had a, a name time. for this originally. Uh, Ke- what was it kept tweet you tweeting or... her? <laughs> I can't, it might have been. I can't kept remember. You now. Her. It must have been. It's probably like three years. I don't yeah, know. It's been years. Two since or three years since you played tweets. this. You played this, mate. I can't remember mm-hmm. when you played this. Yeah, I back in the office. Yeah. There we go. Um, if you don't know what this game is, you're a new listener. It is basically Hideo Kojima. If you follow him on Twitter, you may know he he likes to tweet first and foremost a lot, mm. and B tweets about everything and anything and quite obscure, bizarre things. Um, mm. Yes, um, earlier today, even I uh, when we were recording this, I retweeted a tweet of his where he compares. It's from this is from nine years ago. Uh, compares a plate of eggs Benedict, t- and if you uh, move that plate of eggs Benedict, it looks like, in his words, a pair of boobies. So uh, yeah. this is the kind of genius mind we're working with here. Um, yeah. One of the, uh, I think, undoubtedly one of the greatest game developers of all time. In all seriousness, preeminent also, in his field. Yes. but loves a booby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and an egg, and eggs Benedict. Um, so it. basically, this game works is we we'll do five rounds of it. And Joe and Matt, you will take turns at going head to head. We want basically as an obscure search term that Kadima, Hideo even Hideo Kojima tweeted about. So it's say, a Google whack. So we for example, you can't whack. use egg because I used egg. He's tweeted about egg a lot. It turns out. So basically, we want the <laughs> lowest. It has to be something he's tweeted about. Because if he hasn't tweeted about it, you're not getting the point. It has to be mm. the low. He has to tweet about it, but you're looking for the lowest scoring. So a unique, um, a unique. So if you're getting one, then oh god, you're doing. Yeah, well. it's the number. Hopefully that makes sense. To explain, it's the number of times he's ever tweeted a it's single like pointless. Word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll make sense once we've done one round of it. So I think Joe, you you can go first in the first round. I can't tell whether the. I think this is going to be a relatively recent term, so I'm hoping it's used relatively infrequently. I'm going to use the name Villeneuve. Villeneuve? Mm. Oh, has he spelt it right? You're taking the risk. Uh, I'm sure he spelt sure. it right. Uh, I've written that name many times, so I know how to spell <laughs> it. Uh, it's because you love Jack so much. Okay, I'm not going to tell you um, how many that is, but uh, Matt, I would like your answer quickly, please. Uh, I am going to go for... As we've already established, he's very big into food, likes to talk about oh, food. Yes. There is a famous tweet that involves the word sausage. So I'm going to suggest <laughs> sausage. I'm pretty uh, sure we've had sausage in this game before. Oh, we had sausage. And it's I reckon years. it might... I, I actually, for a different podcast, once wrote a whole song that was just made up of lyrics 
uh, the the lyrics were just made up of Kojima's tweets about sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. So, Villeneuve has got one, two, three, four, five, <gasps> six, seven, eight, nine tweets. Nine Villeneuve, Villeneuve tweets. Are there any bangers in there? Well, there is in the sausage one. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> Um, no, they're all just him saying. Uh, is it just him good. going like, "I bought Blade Runner on Blu-ray"? Yeah, yeah basically. He loves a bit of that. Oh no! In 2015, he wrote recent news. Say, Denny Villeneuve, whom I introduced his previous titles at Kojima Station, was chosen oh. for the director of Blade Runner. So maybe he's a. Uh... So that's imagine nine that Kojima it. being all he's like, yeah, I showed Sicario <laughs> to, uh, his to, his sausage to, to my mates. His sausage ones are special. Let me count them because there's a few. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's an <gasps> eight-nine win to Matt. Oh sausage God. defeats Phil Nerd. I thought there were way more sausage. There's one which that. is just a lonely couple of Frankfurters, which he tweeted sausage after the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Can I just make an early call that at the end of this, at the end of this show, can, can the music be my song of Kojima's sausage tweets? Uh, it's very stupid. You can. I would love that. There's one which is just a picture of a sausage with a tiny piece of sauerkraut that says "Farewell Sausage." Um, Farewell Sausage is the funniest tweet he's ever written. It's so good. <laughs> Because isn't I like that the last? One. I think it was the last day of Gamescom, and so I think it's yeah. like a farewell sausage, not <laughs> farewell to this sausage. I like um, this one from 2010. It says Matsuhana is having a huge rack of ribs as well. Me, I'll have some sausage. Man, <laughs> it's so funny here. Like I know this is egotistical. It's so funny hearing these because I can. Th- I've yeah. sung those words. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's one point to Matt. One nil. We've got four more rounds left. Matt, you go first this round. Um, I don't know. So one of the big problems here is I ended up having to mute Kojima because he talks too much. <laughs> so I don't know what he's been up to recently. Pick a weird word. Um, I'm also going to stick with the food thing because I think that's like potential guaranteed results i'm gonna go cabbage cabbage okay <laughs> joe what have you got up your sleeve i'm gonna go for and i don't know why angel <laughs> angel Ooh. angel i reckon he i reckon he tweeted about angel and buffy oh i didn't even think of that oh well matt zero congratu- congratulations no one what yes. oh! <laughs> From 2011, no, nah, you should still get one. Oh, we might have. The I think, might should, I, think get it, two. I think we've done yeah. two points for yeah, that. Yeah, you can have I'm two happy points. With it. Um, his uh, tweet from 2011 was "Airs Rock Rice Bowl" in quotation marks. Cabbage and a deep fried mincemeat on rice. This could be a speciality. Oh, there we go. That does sound nice. Um, Angel, I can tell you now, has many, many Joe. So uh, really. Yeah, it, there's a lot here. He said he saw Alita Battle Angel. He oh. wrote about an Argentina film called El Angel. He talks about Dark Angel. There's there's lots of different angels. Fucking Bowie, hell. uh The Fall of a Rebel Angel, the album by Enigma. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Charlie's wow. Angels he's tweeted about. He's, he's he loves an angel. It's three nil to Matt, that's an early that's, that's a big huge. early. Three rounds to go. Uh Joe. Let's keep them coming. 
Mm. Oh, it's hard. Mm. I mean, you could, in the meantime, think of it, maybe get a short list down so we can make the next one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) I'm going to go criminal. Criminal? (laughs) Yeah. Because there might be some angry tweets in there. (laughs) (laughs) Some angry tweets. Uh, Matt. What have you got up your sleeve? I am going to go with a word from one of his most famous posts. Uh, deeds. Deeds. <laughs> oh, I see, yes. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is tactical play, this, isn't it? Um, so, for criminal, there are five tweets. That's not bad. No, mostly uh, they're about some books he's written. Uh, I've written, read, sorry, one of the books was called Criminal. Uh, no, yeah, no, no, f- particularly fun ones there. Uh, worth mm. reading out. Deeds. It's another one. He's got oh another two God. points. <laughs> ashamed Five of your words and deeds. Nil. This is don't uh, be ashamed of your words and deeds, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I will read out the full thing in brackets. Continued. Uh, but once you recognise the secret reason for her exposure, you will feel ashamed of your words and deeds. I think it's worth remembering that this was a tweet about a scantily clad female character, and mm-hmm. the reason that we should have been ashamed for our words and deeds is that she could photosynthesize. <laughs> there we go. Fucking <laughs> absolute <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> uh, right, two more rounds left. I mean... Uh, it's actually impossible for you to win, Joe, but we'll play him anyway. Um, I wouldn't mind our point. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's Matt first, though. Um, what has Kojima been tweeting about now? What could it be? I will say, in testing out the uh, search uh, system for this game to make sure I was getting it right, I, I managed to get a one by searching. Did you? I know. The first word I thought of, and it was a mad one. It wasn't even a mad one. It's a very normal word, but he's only tweeted it once. So you never know. Um, Just don't put uh, death. <laughs> death. I'm just going to go Transformers. <laughs> Tran- mm. Ooh, is he a trans? Is he a Transformers man? He uh, loves what? robots, but I don't know whether he likes them disguised. That's the problem. <laughs> what have you? What have you got, uh, Joe? It's about uh, recycle. Recycle. Ooh. I like it. Um, Scatter shot. Matt, Transformers. Mm-hmm. Four tweets. Ooh. Four tweets. Uh, mostly just him saying, saw Transformers the last night. <laughs> Stuff like that. That, that. that is what you're getting. Specifically Matt. the last night. Yes. <laughs> Hasn't even got taste about the Transformers films he watches. Uh, he bought the Transformer trilogy DVD. Thou, and he wrote thou. Thou I already had TF1's BD. So there we go. Um, he loves that John Tarturo performance in Transformers. He really 1. does. It's an inspiration. Uh, so that's four for Transformers. Recycle, Joe. It's a big zero. I'm afraid oh. he hasn't tweeted recycle once. He's so. a cr- he is a criminal against the exactly. earth. <laughs> exactly. He does not care. Six nil to Matt. This is unprecedented. One point. I want one point. You get to go first. So what are you thinking? Oh, what are you thinking? <laughs> I wish I didn't. Uh, Beard. Beard. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm literally um, just looking at things in my room. There's a picture of a man with a beard. <laughs> so I went, okay. What beard. is battling the beard? Can I have like two words if they're together as the name of something? So, for example, I want to do New Order as in the band because I know he's I mean, into that sort of stuff. But you don't want just new. It's, it's up to you, Matt. Um, I, I think it's a single search a term. term. I think, but term, you have. Okay. But obviously, put the uh, put the quotation marks around it, so it has to be searching for new order used together. Okay. <laughs> I and I want that. it coming up. I mean, it would be better for me if you didn't. But okay, we'll, we'll abide. Um, Joe Beard, four, not bad. It's quite good. Uh, there's one he going for? from 2012. There's does um, he love Coach pic- Beard in Ted there's Lasso? A, is that there's a picture of it looks like I don't know what it is. Some faces, and he goes face made from mashed potato, seaweed bandana, hair and beard from green onion, and eyeballs from quail egg. So it sounds. I, I mean, that sounds like an Elden Ring enemy. <laughs> um, and in 2013, he just tweeted, "I wished Governor didn't shave his beard." I don't know what that is in relation to, but um, something must have been happening. But four forbid, Matt, I'm sorry to say I can't read them all, but New Order. There's dozens. Really? <laughs> he, he tweets about New Order quite a bit. It's very kind um, of you to give me the consolation point, Matt. As a game. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, I love that six game. One. It's a fun game. We've and thought I'm sure about trying to do that with other accounts, but it is impossible. There is no one with as broad and strange a set of interests yeah. as Kojima. I like to think he'd enjoy us doing that as well. I don't feel like we're poking fun because he's put all this out into the madness. So you know, I don't think he'd care. No, I think not. he's a multi multi millionaire and doesn't should, give a shit. If we ever, if for some bizarre reason, ever get him on the podcast, we've got to play the game with him. God. Oh, that would be so good. Imagine how confused he'd be about us describing it to him. Um, we've got the sausage song to look forward to at the end of the podcast, but of course, first is some feedback. Joe. Hello, this is from Ollie Walker. Hi, team. Love the podcast. Long time, first time, all that jazz. In 633, famously, we talked about music that takes you back to games that classically have no association. Mm-hmm. I have a tale of this ilk that I'm sure you won't have heard before. I've not read this before. This has really got me hyped up. I was 16 years old when Halo 4 first launched, as was my best friend. As this was one of the first games to allow split-screen online play, it opened up a whole new world of potential nonsense for us to explore. There's nothing quite like commandeering a warthog with your buddy and mowing down strangers from the comfort of the same sofa. We spent many hours that summer perched in front of our screen. This sedentary lifestyle was, however, in direct conflict with our other main priority at the time. As two young men on the precipice of university, we had been frequently working Ooh. out in the local health centre. Got a couple of young beefcakes here. <laughs> the idea of the dream male physique firmly cemented in our minds from countless reruns of Pumping Iron. <laughs> you watching the Arnie doc over and over again? Is that the one where he says... Uh, it's better than coming <laughs> yeah, to uh, yeah, to work out, yeah. yeah. As we all know, <laughs> video games and bodybuilding aren't often mutually inclusive. I think that's unfair. With that in mind, and Fresher's Week looming ever closer, we devised a solution. This is <laughs> mad. The solution was a game we called Immersive Halo. <laughs> Immersive Halo requires ample floor space Good traction and access. Good traction and access to nearby hydration. 
The premise is simple. When your Master Chief avatar crouches, you squat. And when he runs, you run on the spot. You've invented ring fit. <laughs> when he, uh, and sprints included. When he jumps, you jump. I would be this, done for. I'd jump every second. They're like, I'm just bunny hopping everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you put a bumper jumper on, you're fucked. This provided a fantastic workout while still allowing us to play our favourite game. I would highly recommend this to anyone who feels like a firefight would be improved by the inclusion of sweat streaming into their eyes. The only catch is that we would play Immersive Halo with our own soundtrack. This soundtrack was non-negotiable and always played at full volume. Oh my god, I've just seen what it is. As such, anyone interested in Immersive Halo must have access to... Jamiroquai's 1994 album, The Return of the Space Cowboy. I'd, I'd rather tear my ears off than listen to Jamiroquai. That's unfair. Jamiroquai is all right. Canned Heat is brilliant. You just don't like hats. These two things, (laughs) Halo 4 and Jamiroquai, are now fundamentally linked together in my brain. Whenever I hear any of these songs, I am transported back to that sitting room and the two of us, drowned in sweat, cracking on with a needle. (laughs) 10 out of 10, great memories. Wow. Is there some sort of subtext here? I don't know. (laughs) It sounds like a very fun time. I mean, it sounds very sexy. Yeah, and I'm, set, I'm and set to it. 90s funk from England's greatest <laughs> just funk, imagine, funkster. Like, just the feeling I'm imagining of sweat sting in my eyes while having to listen to Jamiroquai sounds like something from A Clockwork Orange to me. Like, I'm, it doesn't sound like fun. I can't believe you don't like at least bits of Jamiroquai. But I'm just glad we don't have to play any Jamiroquai because it's never true. been played on this podcast. I'm just looking at Return of the Space Cowboy. It's got none of the ones I really like. It's not got canned heat. That's the main one. There you go. That sounds just like hell to me. I mean... I I love it. I would probably just go to the gym for like half an hour, an hour, and then go and play Halo like normally. (laughs) I have restarted Ring Fit recently. It is an absolute killer. I'm not good at it at all. I fucking did myself in doing knee lifts the other day. That is a mean game. Imagine that with Halo, though. Horrible. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. There we go. Uh, I have an email here from Ian K who says, Hey, IGN UK crew. Hey. Uh, Long time listener, first time writing in. A lot of people. No, no, what I'm getting from this is people write in once and then go, Now nah, I'm do that again. Yeah, <laughs> I we didn't want the response. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he um, was saying Jamiroquai's shit. He, Ollie's not coming back. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I like you, Ollie. I just don't like JK. I'm sorry. Um,. During last week's episode, someone wrote in with a game and music memory association where hearing a song reminded them of a gaming experience in their life. I wanted to write in and share some of my own experiences, as this is something I think about occasionally. (laughs) On occasion, I like to sit down and have a think about the games I associate with music on a bench. Yes, it just happens. Uh, Two of these associations immediately came to mind after hearing that email. The first is the Beatles' White Album. Now that's a good album. I will allow that one. And Metal Gear Solid for the original PlayStation. (laughs) Metal Gear Solid is one of my favourite games of all time. It was one of the first times I realised a video game could tell a story and be more than a simple platformer or puzzle game. Just imagine the creator of that uh, now talks about ex-Benedict being boobies on Twitter. Mm. (laughs) Um, I bought a copy with some birthday money around the same time that I really started digging the Beatles. I used to play Metal Gear Solid for hours while listening to the White Album on repeat. That is a weird combo. I mean, I think Kojima would quite... He'd want you to listen to his game, but at the same time he'd appreciate you. I don't He never actually really tweets about the Beatles. I imagine I'm literally he likes looking it up right now. 
<laughs> I'm interested to if, find if out. If you were listening to Life on Mars or like some hunky, maybe put Hunky Dory on by David Bowie, you're probably well into it. Um, you might be. You'll never does, know. Does Kojima like the Beatles joking? I'm just, I'm finding out. I'm searching White Album first, specifically. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, it's email is on look. pause while we do a Twitter advanced search. Never tweeted about the White Album. Wow. Okay. What about Beatles? Never tweeted about the Beatles. Wow, he just doesn't. Maybe, what if he doesn't know they exist? That would be the kind uh, of thing, could you? It'd be like, never heard of them. Could it. be. Never heard of You never know. Uh, I, feel like he's, see, I feel like he's put John Lennon in a game before. I feel, is there a John Lennon song in Metal Gear so far? Or am I completely making that up? I don't, don't know. Anyway, uh, Ian continues. Similarly, in eighth grade, I was obsessed with Final Fantasy X while listening to Tupac's Until the End of Time album. That is a, <laughs> that is a bizarre a combo. I spent many an hour dodging lightning bolts and trying to foil Seymour's plot while listening to Tupac's wax lyrical about his troubles. You did, For dodging lightning bolts in that game, you absolutely need something to take your yeah, mind off it because that a beat. is the worst. Um while I wouldn't say either of these pairings necessarily go together like peanut butter and jelly, they remind me of a simpler time in life when I could relax, listen to a good album, and play video games with no responsibilities. To this day, I can't help thinking of Revolver Ocelot when I hear Rocky Raccoon, or of Tidus and crew when Tupac's Lil Homies comes on. <laughs> <laughs> I go. do like the idea of Final Fantasy not calling them parties anymore, just call them Lil Homies. That'd that would great. be great. <laughs> Uh, there we go. I wonder if Kojima likes Tupac as well. We're not going to do this for everything. Uh, I'm not looking at it. There we go. Um, thank you for the email, Ian. Yeah. I've, you know, uh, Final Fantasy X is on my list of games to play. It's on my backlog list. So I will get around to Final Fantasy X one day. But there we go. Matt, bring us home. Uh, I'm just going to have to find out who wrote this because you haven't written who wrote oh, it. Oh, have I made list. a big mistake? made a boo boo, God. I'm so sorry. You rotten bastard. We've just got a new email in with quite the subject line, which uh, in the last uh, 10 minutes, which... Uh, and oh, my God. It's too late. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, that's that's a, uh, read it, a Matt, subject Matt. line. I'm not reading that, no. Um, uh, this one oh, from... it also ends with respect the Cardi, so I want out. <laughs> no, oh, thank you. I've never... I want to say I've never asked for that. Does uh, this... I'm going to say, Chris Milne, we have received your email. We'll consider it, but the subject line is off-putting. But you have misspelt Cardi like Cardi B all the way through. Yeah, that, that's, can people stop doing that? My name is Cardi with a Y, not an I. He's card-like. a rap artist. I am me. I was here first. I don't know if I was. Am I older than Cardi B? How old's Cardi B? Let's have a look. <laughs> this has uh, turned into a great, great search uh, episode of the podcast. Oh, Cardi B is six months younger than me. She is 29. She will be 30 in October. I am, therefore, the original Cardi. I want to put that out there now. Go for it. It's not your, <laughs> is your dad not the original Cardi? Yeah, but, you know, I, we're talking about uh, me and Cardi B right now. Okay. okay. Right. Uh, anyway. Who's the email from, Matt? <laughs> it's from Stephen Reynolds, who says, we go. Hey, the gaming touchpoint that often gets brought up in my friend circle is Panic Like It's Mission Day on Type Zero. This is, a re- <laughs> this is a reference to the Final Fantasy game Type Zero. In the game, you are a student in a military academy and regularly get dispatched on missions. As a class, you always know when the next mission is. There's an in-game thematic countdown. 
A lot of the actions you take between missions deplete the countdown. Despite having full clarity on when the next mission will occur, the whole academy goes bananas on mission day like it was completely unexpected call to arms. Um, which they do. There's a huge like klaxon, and when you're running through the corridors, there's just people running all over the place <laughs> and losing their heads. Um, so now, whenever anyone's, whenever someone goes into a full high panic alert mode, when something, when something planned arrives, it's like panic, like it's mission day on type zero. A few of us work in software development, and this comes up quite often. When a planned milestone arrives, and other colleagues who are completely aware of the timeline panic like it's mission day on type zero <laughs> not games related but we also reference things uh, work like uh, the kobayashi maru when presented with a situation that has no positive outcomes which is star trek's no win training scenario here with the good work oh and for god's sake respect the sea steven like clearly works in software development if type <laughs> zero and kobayashi maru are common touch points congrats yeah. you work in good i places. thought more about this we don't i don't know if we have many like that we have um what about Zubats? That's kind of something that Zubats off. is That's... something that gets referenced quite a lot, yeah. Do you, do that you was want to explain? Back... Go on. Yeah, that was back to the days when um, uh, Rory, ex of this parish, uh, made a weird video featuring the Zubats from Pokemon Go and claimed that it would definitely get a quarter of a million views. Uh, <laughs> and we now refer to that as uh, getting Zubats because it didn't get anywhere close. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it, could do, it, could one, it could do Zubats. Like, it could do. It could do Zubats. If you've got a, a weird video well. that you, or piece of content you think may do really well, it might it do, do Zubats. Zubats. It could do. Um, yeah, I can't really uh, think of other ones like that. Um, do, 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 I mean, do, we do. post that uh, crying dude from the uh, the Miyazaki video quite a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. The lad uh, who gets told that his work is an insult <laughs> to humankind. I swear it's similar to Type Zero if you, if you want a big like people going a bit like just big mass jubilation you could go full Bagwan from the full Netflix Bagwan documentary um, from Wild Wild Country, yeah. Yeah. Um it's not really one but we kind of just when we we say uh, is it elite that's kind of just a complete in joke, though. That yeah, is... that was just me once saying, "Is it elite about yeah. a, an elite we were... controller?" <laughs> we yeah, were at it was when... yeah, we were at Gamescom. We... I think yeah, you asked me and Cooper like, oh, "Have you got any good questions for uh, someone from Microsoft about the new controller, the new Elite controller?" Yeah, and the first thing that yeah came up was, "Is it elite?" <laughs> Which is, it is elite? not a, it's not a fun question. But uh, it made us laugh. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. If you've got Elden Ring, Batman thoughts, music thoughts, uh, Kojima thoughts, any any thoughts. Not dark thoughts, though. I don't want to read any dark thoughts. Um, not <laughs> Limit them, anyway. Mildly dark. Um, Joe, we're going to have your spectacular sausage song. Yeah, this is a song called Sausage. It's based on every tweet at the time that Kojima had tweeted about sausages. Those are the lyrics. Uh, and it's from another podcast I do called Regular Features. Please listen to Regular Features. This has go. been a transparent advert for my side hustle. Um, it's not very good, but enjoy yourselves. <laughs> there we go. Here is Sausage. Matsuhana is having a huge rack of ribs as well. Me? I'll have some sausage. Jorge ordered sausage. Sausage after the rain. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sausage. 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 Farewell, farewell, farewell. Sausage.